of you, you ever got your heart broken? How many remember that first grade crush you had? Mine was Jeannie, and she just completely left me for this other cool kid who could play dodgeball better than I could. And I'm still in therapy for it today, you know. Um, you know, we, we've all gone, gone through times in our life where our hearts have been broken or we've actually trusted our heart. We, we, like, you know, you hear that saying, J- just trust your heart. What, what is your heart telling you, right? How many, how many have done that? You, you trusted your heart and it got you into a heap of trouble. And, and what we're looking at, we're looking at empty promises. We're in this series of, of looking at things that just don't fulfill us or don't deliver the things that they promise. And, and what I want to I, I diagnose here today is I want to look at our heart. What is, what, what is it about our heart that gets us in trouble? Or why do we say, you know, trust your heart, trust your feelings, just wherever it may lead you. And then it gets us into all this trouble. And I believe that we can understand our heart today and that this will keep us, when we understand our heart, I believe it can keep us from a heap of trouble, from, from, from empty promises or chasing things that just don't deliver. In fact, I, um, I, I was just kind of researching all the different um, songs that have the word um, heart in it. Now, um, I'm kind of a, a product of the 80s, so... Um, so and 70s and 60s, because really, that's when the best music was. But anyways, so let's let's look at a couple of these things. Um, there was, how many remember the song, Total Eclipse of the Heart? Okay, all the people that are like 40 or 50 and older know that. Bonnie Taylor, Total Eclipse of the Okay, how about, how about Heartbreak Hotel? Who, who sang that? Elvis, all right. Elvis has just left the building. Okay. Then there was a song in 1989, I remember, called Listen to Your Heart by a group called Roxette. Then there was another song called Stop Dragging My Heart Around, Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty. How about this one? You guys, I know probably a lot of you secretly like this song, but a lot of you men won't admit it. Uh, how about My Heart Will Go On? Who sings that? See, I see all the women. No men are going to admit it. They're like, yeah, I know. Celine Dion. I ain't going to. Gonna. But, but here's, here is my favorite heart song. I had the 45. So you kids out there, Google what a 45 is, and you can find out what it is, right? Um, I had this 45. So I've, I've just, I'm going to show you a little bit of the video right now. Here's my favorite heart song of all time. Go ahead and look at the screen. Don't go breaking my heart. Now, this is what I've done for every single one of you right now in this room. That's going to be stuck in your head all day. You're going to be just doing the dishes later or cooking, and you're going to be, don't go breaking my heart. And you go, I just hate Pastor Barden. I hate him with all my heart. So here's the thing. We're, we're looking at this empty promises or, or things that we uh, put our trust in that just, that just don't deliver. Here's the thing about our hearts. We understand the thing about our heart, it's really the core of my being. In fact, when, when the Bible talks about our heart, it really talks about it being the center or the, the actual core of our lives. And, and actually the word heart is actually used over a thousand times in the word of God. And so the word of God does speak 
to our hearts. And, and I believe what we can discover today is we can understand our heart in a better way and, and not allowing our heart to get us into so much trouble. Because we understand with our hearts, this is the part where our emotions and our desires are. And when we get emotional about something, our heart seems to follow that. We, we, we tend to call this an emotional attachment. How many of you have ever had emotional attachment to something that has a lot of memories for you? Okay, it, it could be... It could, be, it could be a car that you had for a long time and you put all this work into it. And, and how many know that when we have an emotional attachment to something, the value tends to go way up. So what someone may look at and not have an, a, a, an emotional attachment to, they may think, well, there's not a lot of value there. And then the other person says, well, may, wait a minute. This has a lot of value to me because I grew up with this car. I learned to drive in this car. I, I, I redid the engine in this car. How can you say that this car is only worth this much? It's worth this much. Because why? Because you have this emotional attachment to it. It's here. It's in our hearts. This is, this is where we need to be careful. Because this is the center of, uh, there's some good things that can happen. And there's some really bad things that can happen when we tend to completely rely on our emotions and our desires. So in order to understand our hearts and not fall into these empty promises that we think are going to deliver because we're following our, our, following our hearts. We need to understand our hearts. And the human heart, we need to understand in its natural state is not intrinsically good. I hate to break it to you. So we've got to start there. We've got to start by saying intrinsically if we're going to look at our lives and our hearts, intrinsically, our hearts are not good. So we need to answer this question. What is the condition of the human heart? Let's start right off with that question today. What is the condition of the human heart? What is the reality of our heart? So let's get an accurate understanding of our heart. And I love what the different writers of the Bible speak about of the accuracy of our hearts. So let's just start off here. And, and let me just say right off the bat, it's going to be a little depressing, but it's okay. It's going to get better. So is everybody okay with that? It's going to be depressing. It's going to be a downer, but it's going to get better. Because how many know sometimes the truth hurts? But when we hear the truth, the truth can set us free too. And so we want to hear the truth because we don't want to be deceived. So how many say, yes, pastor, I need to hear the truth. Give me the truth. Okay, so we're going to give you the truth there. Okay, so let's see. Jeremiah, the prophet, said this about the heart. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, wicked. Who can actually understand it? And so the word there, let me, let me tell you what, what the word deceitful means here. Here's what the word deceitful means in its original meaning. It means polluted uneven and let me give you a, let me give you a word picture it, it, it's like a crook it's crooked like a terrible road <laughs> that's the picture of our heart that's what jeremiah gives the picture it's it's polluted it's uneven it's it's crooked like a terrible road uh, when and when adam and eve rebelled against god in the garden we have to understand that the condition of the heart changed sin entered the picture and and with that it affected us in the root of our being. And so 
that, that is why Jeremiah is correct by saying, who can actually understand it? In fact, the, the, the New Living Translation says, who can really know how bad it really is? Have, have you ever just, let, let's just, can we just be real honest with ourselves? Just you and I here this morning, let's just, let's just chat, you and I, let's just be honest. Has there ever been a time where you were just, you were, you were in a good mood and everything was good and you're like, this is going to be a good day. This is good. I made the coffee perfect, right? It's a good day. Everything. I slept well last night, right? And you're in a good mood. You maybe listen to some worship music in the morning. You're like, praise the Lord. God is so good, right? And you're just like, you read a little bit of scripture and you're like, God is good, right? And you get in your car and you turn on K-Love and there's a song on Caleb that you were actually listening to in your house and like, that's God. The song on the radio is what I was listening to the house. God, you're so God, right? And all of a sudden you get on 104 and somebody cuts you off. And the words that came out of your mouth, you would have been grounded for a week in your house as a teenager, right? What? And you ever think to yourself, what just? happened right and so here's here's the issue the issue is what there's something going on in our hearts and so that's why jeremiah says the heart is deceitful who can know it so um here's here's the thing we we need to understand it but here's the thing here's here's the help here because god god you know he knows our heart and still loves us. That, that's the good news. And here's the thing. Psalm 44, 21, the psalmist says, would not God discover this? For he knows the what? Secrets. He knows the secrets of our heart. And then Jeremiah, again, the prophet says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. And then Jesus speaking says the same thing recorded for us in the New Testament. For, for he says, for, with, for, for, for from within, out of the person's heart comes what? It comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from where? Within. This is what defiles you. Not because not, he's, he's speaking to the Pharisees who think they're so righteous because on the outside, they look good. The way they dressed, the language they used. We don't touch any dead things. We, we don't want to contaminate ourselves. And Jesus says, it, 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 it's got nothing to do with what you touch or don't touch or what you wear or don't wear. He says, the defilement of your life doesn't come from these outside external things. It comes from within your heart. So this is what we need to discover. What is the common thread between these verses, between all these verses? Well, here's the prognosis. The prognosis is, is we all have a heart condition and we all have a heart problem. And so the default, let's understand this, the default of our heart is not to turn to God, but to take care of me. 
That's the default of our heart. The proclivity of my heart is, is naturally bent to take care of me because at the core of our heart is selfishness. And that's the problem with the fall. We began to protect ourselves. Adam and Eve began to protect themselves and began to blame each other for the fault that they made and the rebellion that they made before God. So, so and, and, and we can even see in our kids, how many parents ever had to teach your kids to use the word mine? This is mine. Or, or I want. How many parents ever had to teach your kids to say, I want? You didn't have to, you, you have to, you had to teach them how to say share, right? But we never had to teach your kids mine or I want or, or give me that. We never had to teach. They just, they just learned that. They, 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 they got that naturally because here's the thing. Kids are little sinners that grow into big ones, right? I mean, I'm just, I know I'm so I know we live in this snowflake society and everybody's special, but listen, that's, can I get an amen? Okay, we're there. Okay, so, so, <laughs> see, the, our hearts are just, they're deceptive. Your heart is going to fool you. It will fool you into believing something is good when it's not. And that's why we, when you look back with clear 2020 vision, you're like, what was that thinking? Because you followed your heart. You followed your heart into a wrong place. And, and so that's where we need, to, we, we need to discover what's in there. In fact, the, the prophet Obadiah says this. He says, the pride of your heart has done what? Ooh, okay, now we're getting somewhere. So pride's down in there. This is going to take care of me, and I want to get it my way. So he said, it's the pride that deceived you, speaking to wayward Israel. He says, the pride that deceived you, uh, deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwellings, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? What, what says that? No one's going to take me down. I live in a secure place. I've got security in my 401k. I've got job security. I have all the... No one's going to take me down. Oh, yeah? And so God is looking at the heart and says, what says that? Pride. See, that's what's lingering down in there. Proverbs says it again. It says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end is the way to death. And so we know this about ourselves, that we all have this capacity to, to be deceived and to follow our heart and then pride gets in the way and then we make these bad decisions and then we have these broken relationships within our lives because, because our hearts led us the wrong way because pride welled up and how can someone say that to me and you know so on and so forth and then we have these broken relationships. I can remember when I was in seventh grade, I learned how to downhill ski. I loved it. I just wanted to learn how to downhill ski. My parents said, okay, we'll let you join the ski club. And so I'm like, awesome. So I go with my friends who all knew how to ski and were good skiers. So I, I thought skiing was going to take like 10 minutes and I'm going to be Franz Klammer and I'm going to be flying, you know, I'm going to be Bodie Miller and just flying down the hill. So I thought this is going to be easy. So I'm going on the bunny hills. And I'm like, this is so easy. I'm just flying down the bunny hills. I didn't know how to turn. I knew how to snow plow. That was about it. So finally I just said, you know what? I think I can go, I think I go to the top of the mountain and ski down Rocket Run. Now, 
Any of you have ever been to Bristol, Rocket Run is like, like a, I don't know, the, the top of it's like a black diamond. It's just steep. I mean, basically, if you roll down it, you're going to roll all the way down. You're not going to stop. So I'm like, I can do this. I, I'm good. I made it down these easy bunny hills. So I get up there, and I go like 10 feet, and I'm wiped out. I'm rolling. I'm making a big snowball. I'm out. I go, I'm, 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 now I'm panicking because I can't. My friends are all laughing at me. They're like, we told you not to go down, or you didn't know what you're doing, you know? And so they're all making, I go, will you just help me? They go, well, my friend goes, well, the only thing you're going to be able to do, of course, it's right under the chairlift. So everybody's watching. So he's like, you got to take your skis off and start hiking down. I'm like, What? can't I just get behind you and just snowplow with the guy? We're going, we ain't doing that. You got to walk. So I had to walk from the top of the hill all the way down. It was the walk of shame all the way down the hill. People were yelling things at me. You stink. What do you think? No, they weren't doing that. But it was embarrassing. See, I thought, see that, that was my, I, I was led to believe that after an hour of skiing, I could ski down a black diamond. It's the deception. How many know pride just gets in the way it convinces you to do something that is just wrong. Something in there, it's our hearts. So, so is there hope for our hearts? That's the question. Is there hope? And the good news is that there is hope for our hearts because God can actually give us a new heart with actually new desires and actually give us the ability to discern our hearts so that we know what's really there. God gives us this ability to do this now. And this doesn't mean that, that we're not going to struggle or we'll fall down at times. But what it does mean is God can change us. So, so how, here's the question. How do we not allow our hearts to fall into self-deception? So that's the question. How do we not allow our hearts to fall into this self-deception? So where do we start? Where do we start? Well, here's where we start. In order to guard our hearts, we really have to allow God to have access to my life. We got to give God the key to my heart. We have to give him access to our lives. And, 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 and we start by allowing God just to come into my life. That's where it starts to say, God, I need you. I've been trying to do it on my own. I, I, I understand now why you sent your son. There was this broken relationship and it was because of my sin. And then God does everything he can possibly to reconcile us back to him. The things that sin has broken and destroyed in our lives, Jesus will fix. And that Jesus fixed on the cross for you and I. He's come to rebuild that broken relationship and give us a new heart and a new life that now glorifies God and gives us purpose and meaning for our lives now. And so that's why Jesus came, to restore that which was broken because of sin. So, so it starts by allowing God to have access to my life. So let me give you a couple of things here. He, here's what we can do practically to, to get a better grip of our hearts. First of all, allow God to help us know our hearts. Because, because God, we, we can ask God, say, God, I want to know my heart here. I love what David says here in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and what? Know my heart. He even goes a step further. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, that's a prayer that says, God, you can, you can, you can help me to know my heart. And that's David's request. I want to know my heart. I want to give you complete access to my life. I like what Ruth 
Barton says here, she says, the real issue in self-examination is not that I'm inviting God to know me since he already does, right? But that I'm inviting God to help me know me. That's what David's prayer was. David says, listen, I know you know me, you search my, but I want, I want you to help me to know me. Give me the truth about the proclivity of my heart and the way that I wander so that, that I'm aware of it. So that I can give that to you so that thing doesn't trip me up. And so David allowed himself to open himself up, up to God to give him access up to his heart. Actually, Psalms 139 is really a call for help. Help me to tear down the things that I've built in my life that are actually offensive to you. And so those things that are offensive to God are perfectionism, power, self-glorification, performance. I've always got to perform to feel good about myself. People pleasing. If people aren't happy with me, then I'm not happy and I got to try to please everybody. And when one person's disappointed, it just ruins my day. See, these things are made to make ourselves look good. And that's the problem with our heart. So God has to have access. Help me to know my heart. Here's the second thing. Allow God, David said, to actually test my heart. So, so David prays this bold prayer. Right? He says, hey, hey, God, test my heart. Okay, now, if you want to pray the most boldest prayer in your life, I dare you to pray this prayer where you say, God, test my heart. Because what you're doing is you're, he will test your motives and he'll test your heart. And when and that happens, it will reveal those tests that will come. How many of you remember the pop quizzes in school? You love those, didn't you? We're going to have a pop quiz today. I know none of you study, but we're going to have a pop quiz. You're like, oh, I know I'm going to fail this, right? You know, or yeah. have you ever had that dream? I have this reoccurring dream. Some of you, if you can psychoanalyze this for me, do it for me, because I'd love to know. I had this dream that I'm in college, right? And I'm back at school, and I've signed up for this class, but I didn't go to the class all year. And all of a sudden, it's the end of the semester, and I realized I never showed up for this class, and I'm going to fail. I had this, I don't know what, maybe some of you have that reoccurring dream, but I wake up and I'm panicked. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not in college. That was in 1985. What is, what's going on here? Right? There's this, there's this the, the, the test that comes God says, I want to reveal things that are in your, your heart. So when you pray, test me, when that test comes, you're, 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 you're not going to, you're going to be like this. You're going to be like this. You're like, okay, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test, right? So you, you know it's going to be a test. So now you're like, okay, God, I know you're testing me. And this is hilarious because one of the tests in my life is just patience. And one of the areas, I'm just going to, let me just be open with you. Here's the area I struggle in. I, I struggle with these control, sometimes control issues. So like when I know I can be in control of something, I, I'm fine. But then if I get stuck in traffic, it's like I can't control that. So it drives me crazy. And so my blood pressure goes up. And I'm like, where's the truth? Or if I'm standing in line, a long line, and I'm like, how come people can't get it together? What's going on? You know, they're fumbling through their purse and their pocket. Where's my wallet? I'm like, oh my gosh, you've been waiting in line. Get the purse out. Get your wallet out. Put the credit card in cash. Oh, I'm using, oh, should I use cash or credit? I go, I don't care. Use something. It's taking forever, right? And I'm terrible. I'll be honest, I'm terrible with that. Anybody else just like, okay, thank you for. 
very therapeutic for me. So I do. And, and there, there are, te- I know when God brings this test of my heart of, of, of patience. And I, we were at my nephew's wedding a, a couple uh, weeks ago, uh, being able to attend his wedding. And we had to rent a car. And so I'm in the, I'm in the, the rental car place trying to rent a car. It's, it's late at night. We're all tired. I want it. We have still another like hour drive ahead of us. So I'm tired. It's time change. It's just crazy. So I, I, I'm wanting to get this car. And the people in front of us had no clue what they were doing. So you had one guy, I don't think he ever rented a car in his life. And so he's just asking a lot of questions. And he's like, so where, where's the key? The guy's like, well, no, you'll, you'll get all that stuff. You got to go down to this level. He goes, well, where's the level? He goes, well, you take a left. Well, where do I go now? And he's like, he goes, and I, I don't, he goes, I, I don't know where I'm going. I, do you have a map? I'm like, a map? Who uses a map? <laughs> a map? What? I go, GPS on your phone. Here, I'll download it for you right now. Give me your phone. Google Maps, I'll die. and so the guy, the, the, so the guy at the counter goes, "Well, you can you can use your phone, chief." He goes, "Oh, really?" And he pulls out his phone, and it's a flip phone. No, <laughs> flip phones don't work. They're, they're not going to work. This went on for 15 minutes. I literally thought I was going to lose it. So here's what's funny: I'm thinking to myself as I'm waiting in line. I'm thinking to myself, Barn, take a deep breath, patience. Don't lose your Christianity over this, okay? Don't, you know, don't. And I am not kidding you. A week later, uh, I read this quote by Bob Goff, who's an author, and it read this. I'm not kidding. When I read it, I'm like, God was like blaring it to me. Bob said this. The guy who is up front at church needs to be the same guy in the back of the line of the rental car. (laughs) Verbatim. I'm telling you. If you don't believe in God, you need to start believing in him. Because this, this is like, so he goes, the guy, the guy who is up front at church needs to be the same guy in the back of the line of the rental car line. If you can't do that, either stop driving or get off the stage. I'm like, ow, oh, Bob, you're killing me, right? See, there, see there's, there's the test of our heart, isn't it? Is because in that line, God is doing what? He's revealing my heart. Because listen, can't we be nice people when everything's going our way and there's no line at the rental car? And and that wasn't the end of the rental car thing. They had my reservation wrong. They were charging me $600 more. I mean, it got worse. I mean, it's just like, I'm really, am I in a nightmare? It really, I go, somebody pinch me so I can wake up. But But God uses this to test your heart. So the question to ask in, in the evaluation of, of our heart is, is this. Where do I find my mind drifting to? So, so, ask, so, so it, would be, it would be things like this. When I hear someone who had a promotion or, or something good happened to them, wh- where is my first thought? Is it, yeah, that's good for them. I'm so excited. Or is it like, I mean, how come I don't ever get a promotion? My life stinks. I mean, wh- where's, where's the first thought run? When something doesn't go my way or I don't get my way, how do I react? See, th- those things will reveal what's really going on in your heart. Who or what am I jealous of? When that name is brought up or this or that, and I, and I see this jealousy come up from my heart, 
That's a good test to see where your heart is at. So God is going to test us. Allow God, pray that prayer because those things will happen in your life to reveal. So then you can take and say, God, I, man, I know I'm not patient. So as I'm standing in line, I say, God, just give me your peace. Give me your patience. Um, I, 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 I want to be a witness for you. And, and you're revealing this part of my life because you love me. And, and you don't want my heart to overrule my life. Because how many of you know it just gets you into trouble? It just does. And so here's the third thing. Allow God to, 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 have, to have us have an aware life. So what, what is this? David, David, even in his struggle with God and in his sin, and a lot of mistakes David made in his life, there was one thing that he wanted more than anything, and that was to know God. And that was to have a relationship with him. And he even prays this, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O, o Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my what? Heart. So what David's saying is, what am I meditating on? What are the things that are glorifying you? What, what are the things I think about most? Because if I meditate on those things, those things will overtake my heart and thus will dictate the way I live my life. So what David is saying is if the words of my mouth are going to dictate what's coming out of my heart, then I need to be meditating on the right things. Because if I'm not meditating on the right things, if anger and bitterness and all these things are, are, are what are in my heart, then those are things that are going to come out of my mouth during those pressure situations. See, when you're bumped, what comes out? When someone bumps you, when there's a conflict, when somebody doesn't agree with your opinion and you're bumped and you're, you're a little rattled and you're a little offended, what comes out? And here's the thing. You just can't say, well, that person irritated me or the blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. Don't blame the other person. Look at your heart. Don't become defensive because there's something deep. We all have lids, right? We all know what to say and what not to say. But all of a sudden something comes out when someone bumps us. Ha, that's what's coming out of your heart. That's what God wants you to see. That's what God is trying to reveal to your heart. And so David, once again, wants his words and what he thinks about to be pleasing to God. Isaiah the prophet says it this way. He says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this. I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are, are contrite and humble. And I restore the crushing spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with what? Mm, okay, okay. So none of us are perfect here. We're all going to make mistakes. But what God is saying here through the prophet Isaiah is through a repentant heart, when I say, God, I am wrong here. See, repentance is, is not just I'm sorry for doing something wrong. I mean, how many of you, you said you're sorry, you ended up doing the same thing a day later or whatever? See, repentance is really a change of mind. It's when something comes out of your heart and an ugly thing comes out, you can do one of two things. You can deny it and just say what's the other person's fault, or you can say, God, you're revealing something in my heart that needs to change. And so how do we change? Well, we repent. We say, God, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. My heart is wrong, and you've revealed this because you love me. 
And so we repent before the Lord and we ask for his forgiveness in this waywardness. If we need to ask for forgiveness for other people, we ask for forgiveness. That's what humility is all about. That's how restoration happens. Jesus, he didn't need to. He was perfect in every way. He was God. But he humbled himself to the point of where he went to the cross for you and I to die for the pride of our hearts. And so our example is Jesus who died to our selfishness and our pride and all those other things so that we might find life again. So through repentance, I allow the spirit of God to take control of my heart and my life. So an aware life, let me finish with these, these things. An aware life asks these three questions. Are you ready? So if you want to have an aware life, I I, I put those in your notes for you, but here's what an aware life asks. It asks these three things. So, What are the words that are actually coming out of my mouth? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just tape record what we say all day long or tape record a hard conversation that we had with somebody and just listen to it over and over and over again to see what was coming out of our mouth? So what's actually coming out of my mouth? Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks in Matthew 12, 34. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what I'm speaking and what I'm saying is actually coming out of what has a grip on my heart. The second question you ask is, how am I acting? You know, how am I acting? In those pressure times, how am I acting? Is, am I acting in a way that is Christ-worthy or am I acting in a way that is self-preserving? And, and what, are, what are my motives for doing certain things? It's a good heart check. Why am I doing this? And, and here, here's a good way to, if you do something and you may say, I'm doing this out of the kindness of my heart. I just want to do it. Okay, great. But then you do it and you're expecting accolades and no one thanks you for it. And you're like, well, how come no one thanked me? Well, what was the motive of your heart? Your motive of your heart was not to do it for the Lord. The motive of your heart was doing it because I wanted to get accolades. I wanted someone to thank me. So if you do something and, and, and no one's thanking you, and you're upset about that. Now, listen, I think, let me preface by saying this. I think we should encourage one another. If we see people doing things, I think we should encourage them. Thank you, right? Thank you. I think that's great. We need to encourage one another. But I have to check my motives for doing what I'm doing. And so ask yourself, what are my motives for doing certain things? See, an aware life, what it does is it actually cares about these things. I, I don't, an aware life doesn't make excuses for bad behavior or being rude or being uncaring. See, an aware life says, you know what? Irregardless of the provocation, there is no justification for an unchristian response. I thought I'd get one amen there, but that's okay. That's okay. I'll I'll let you slide on that one. There is no provocation. There is no altercation that ever, ever deserves an unchristian response. So, so let's guard our hearts here because, see, what's at stake is our witness for the Lord. And I, and I would have this talk with my kids all the time when they play sports because how many of you know when you play sports, it can get heated, and I don't care if you go to a Christian school, a public school, whatever. It can get heated when you're playing sports because of the competition. I mean, you know, I'm in the stands. I'm like, what was that ref thinking? That was a terrible call, right? And Kathleen's holding me down. and She puts duct tape, 
duct tape over my mouth. You're going to get thrown out of this game. It's just, you know, it's that, it's that you know, and, and you can get into it. You can get into this competitive thing. And I can remember always telling my kids, I'm like, listen, what people are going to remember more than anything else is not necessarily how many points you scored, but how you played the game. Did you show sportsmanship? Were you yelling and screaming and getting mad and all this other stuff? See, you know, were you trash talking the other team? Listen, what they're going to remember is how you played the game. They're not going to remember how many points you scored. They're going to remember how you played the game. See, that's our testament. So when we leave a situation, we've got to always remember ourselves. How did I leave that situation? Did I leave it worse or did I leave it better? And if I left it worse, then my reaction is like Isaiah said, that I need to humble myself and ask for forgiveness. Say, you know what? Because we all do. We all make mistakes. And we need to go back and humble ourselves and say, you know what? I did not, especially for someone who's not a Jesus follower. This is so important for us. And so we go back and we say, you know what? I did not handle that correctly. And I let my emotions get the best of me. And I acted wrongly. And I need your forgiveness. Whoa. See, that's a heart that is aware of God's presence in that situation, that God's presence in my testimony is so much more important than whether I was right or wrong. Okay, so this is where we got our heart. So, so let me finish with this passage, and then we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna close in song and let God just speak to our hearts in areas that he needs to speak to. Um, here's... So, so pastor, how do I do this? So it's just not this moral Christianity where I just do the right things, don't do the wrong things, always say the right things because we're always going to make, make mistakes. I, I want you to live your life in the light of the grace that's been given to you through Christ Jesus. That will keep a check on your heart all the time. So here's the thing I want, want you to do in your life. You have to constantly, I have to constantly Speak and preach the gospel to my heart all the time. And, and so what does that mean? That means I'm, I'm speaking to my heart that Jesus died on the cross for me in my place as my substitute for my sin. That it's by God's grace. Everybody say grace. It's by God's grace that he saved you. Not from your works or any of the good things you've done. You don't merit it. You didn't earn it. We're all messed up. God sees our hearts. He sees all the ugly things in there. But yet the Bible says that God still demonstrates his love towards us by sending his son to die for us. So he sees all the ugliness in Barden's heart. But that didn't stop God from sending his son by pouring out his grace and mercy onto my life. So now what happens now is this. My life becomes this act of gratitude for something that I don't deserve or I didn't earn or I didn't merit. God gives it to me through his grace. So when God's grace is being poured out into my life and, and I understand the gospel message and I keep preaching that to myself, guess what? The way I look at the world is completely different now. See, now I'm able to offer forgiveness because Jesus forgave me. If I'm unwilling to forgive someone or unwilling to admit that I'm wrong, there's a disconnect in my heart with the gospel message. 
And so by preaching the gospel to me, it humbles me to realize that it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. If I acted incorrectly here or it was unbecoming of my testimony of Jesus Christ, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to get this right. Not because I'm trying to prove something to another person. I need to do this right for my relationship with God. And so I love what Ephesians says here. Paul says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all type of evil behavior. Instead, instead, a heart that is controlled by Jesus Christ, who's been saved by his grace and his love. He said, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here you go. Are you ready? Here's the gospel. Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here is the gospel. Just as God through Christ has what? Forgiven you. That changes everything now. Because if God, if, if, we, if we all understand this message, we've all come to the understanding that our hearts are deceitful. That my heart is not better than anybody else. If we've all come to that understanding, then we know that the proclivity of my heart is to take care of me. So we know the evil that's in there. Yet God, through the provision of his son, covers our sins through his precious blood and his sacrifice on the cross. So when I understand that, and I understand God's forgiveness, then I have to be a person that's willing to forgive. I have to be a person that's willing to ask for forgiveness. And when I see the waywardness of my heart, I have to say, God, you've got to take control here. So the way you protect it all the time is by preaching the gospel to yourself. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. Is my heart wandering away from Christ or or is it wandering towards him? Am I wandering away and am I just making excuses for my behavior? Am I making excuses for why I'm mad at everybody or mad at the world or why I'm not offering forgiveness? They need to forgive me for, they forgive me first and I'll forget that. I read the whole thing. But but pastor, you don't understand my situation. My situation is unique. Pastor, it's unique. You've never heard this one. Oh yeah, try me. Because you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not saying it's any less hard or hurt. We've all been hurt. We've all been let down. And I'm not saying, I'm not trying to minimize your hurt and the pain of your situation. I'm not at all. Please don't walk away with that. But what I am saying is this. At the end of the day, if we're not offering forgiveness, we've missed something that Jesus Christ has done for us. And so we have to be willing to offer for That doesn't let the other person off the hook. That doesn't whitewash that offense. That doesn't make it any less than it is. That doesn't mean they're getting away with anything. But what you do is you stop yourself from being attached to that person and being hurt over and over and drinking the poison of that thing over and over again when you offer forgiveness. You break the umbilical cord there. You cut it. And you free yourself to live for the Lord now. And allow God to deal with that other person. God has called us. He's called us to be those who bring peace into situations. He's called us to be ministers of reconciliation. So think to yourself, when I walk away from a situation, have I made that better or worse? Just think about that. Instead, be kind. Instead, instead of harsh words, slander, slander, harsh words, anger, anger, rage, bitterness, bitterness. Instead, a heart that's been changed by by Christ. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, 
just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So this, I, I love this song. So we're going to sing it in closing because I like it. I love the words of the first part of this song. It's a, it's a wonderful hymn of the church, but it says this. Are you ready? It says this. It, it, it's the, the song was written in understanding how wonderful the cross of Jesus Christ was for us and what Jesus provided for us. And it's, the song is the wonderful cross, but it, it says this. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but lost and pour contempt on all my, say it Ruth, pride. See? So when I come to the cross of Jesus Christ, I'm saying, Jesus, this is what you died for my pride. You died for the ugliness of my heart. You died for my selfishness and me wanting to get my control issues. You died. And I'm going to come here and I'm going to pour contempt on all that stuff. That's what changes your heart. Let's keep coming back to the cross of Christ and what he did for us. And I guarantee it will change your perspective. It will change the way you deal with people. It will change the, look at you, the way you look at your relationships. And it will give you a peace, a peace that bitterness and unforgiveness can never give you. It will give you a peace that you will know that your heart is right before God. That doesn't mean we're going to do everything perfect, but that means, God, I want you to continue to inspect my heart and examine my life and and examine where I'm going because I don't want to move further away from you. I want to move closer to you. So test me and know my anxious thoughts. Let God test you. And he purifies us so that we can come forth like gold. And he does it because he loves us and he wants to free us from all that garbage that we thought was going to set us free, which only ended up as an empty promise. So Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, as we sing this wonderful hymn of the church to you today, I pray that God, if there's anything in our hearts that are causing us to wander away from you, if, if we've walked into this place with bitterness or unforgiveness or whatever it may be, God, we just ask that that would be exposed and we would lay that before your beautiful cross today and that, that God, we would find your forgiveness and healing through that. And so we thank you that you are so gracious to us that you don't treat us as our sins deserve, but you treated your son that way. All your anger and, and, and wrath towards sin was poured out upon your son. Jesus became our propitiation. Jesus became our atonement. He took our place for all that. So we thank you for providing Jesus for us and the forgiveness that we need for the waywardness and the deceitfulness of our hearts. Examine us today, Jesus, and just allow us to think about you in those situations when we're bumped and we're hurt. What is coming out of my mouth? God, help us with that so that we can glorify you even in the difficult things in our lives. We love you, we thank you, and we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name.